0: Hi and welcome to this podcast with me Geeta Joshi. I'm an art dealer, a curator and a producer for Open Studios and today I am here with Liz Atkin. Welcome Liz.
1: Hello Gita, thank you for having me.
0: So I'm really pleased you're here. We actually first met on social media and then we met when I came to see you when you had Open Studios. I That's think right was in this November actually yes yeah
1: November just gone actually yeah so I'm based on Havelock Walk in Forest Hill so we're a community of artists Uh, there's about 30 of us that live and work here so um, I've been here for about seven years now I think so yeah that's where we but you haven't been drawing for all that time, so what were you doing no. before that? <laughs> so, so drawing is quite a new thing in my life actually, so I've, I've come to art I guess quite late and I've been making kind of visual art for about 10 years but drawing was not part of my practice until yeah, about three, three and a half years ago now and drawing actually has become something I do every day and it's a quite a weird thing to even think that that's something that's <laughs> now Part of what I do
0: so integral to your day and absolutely, what you do, right? So you absolutely. do that when you like when you go places, when you go to your mum, you have to take paper. With absolutely.
1: You. So I have a, a mental health condition actually, which is where most of my practice has developed from. So I have a disorder called dermatillomania. It's a very fancy name for compulsive skin picking. Right. and um, So this is a, a kind of complex disorder that is actually quite common but not many people know they have it and I suffered from it quite badly from early childhood until I was in my 30s and I didn't really know it was a thing.
0: So what does quite badly mean as in you're doing it on visible places on your yeah. hands and face? Or... Yes
1: so um, skin picking would, uh, would happen a lot on my face, my back, my arms, my fingers, my knees, my feet, uh, my chest. So anywhere that I felt there was something strange like a blemish or a you know, a bit of dry skin or a hangnail, I would pick it off, which is quite a normal kind of grooming behaviour that everybody probably does. But for those of us that have skin picking, it doesn't stop there. You kind of feel you need to keep going. And um, skin picking became a really enormous problem in my life. And by the time I was 30, I mean, there were wounds and marks under my clothes all the time. Um. That's what I was gonna say. So
0: I mean, you're literally what doing
1: it till you're like almost raw and bleeding. Wow! Absolutely. So um, the kind of dichotomy in my life was that I'm really interested in theatre and performance. So I actually studied theatre and dance. Uh, I didn't study art at all. So um, I've come to art through performance. Um, instead of kind of through a sort of traditional training in art. So, this is why charcoal is quite a late addition I to my see. practice.
0: Have you, you've always worked in charcoal though, I mean, the three years you've been um, drawing.
1: Yes, but prior to that, all my work was um, photographic and performance based. So, I've been making kind of images of my body sort of covered in different kinds of materials for a long time, um, sometimes I kind of see. submerged in water or um, acrylic paint, applying things directly to my body and taking photographs. So this sort of texture thing has been with me for a long time, but drawing actually started um, when I got very ill. I had a nervous breakdown about four years ago now, and I had about a year off work. Things were very dark, very bad, Mm -hmm. and um, I started to kind of have therapy and take medication, so I had depression and anxiety, and my skin picking came back really badly, so even though I'd been sort of got it under control by making sort of visual art about it, then when the sort of depressive episode hit it came back really badly but a friend actually bought me a friend here from Havelock another oh, yeah. artist here she bought me a box of charcoal and the rest is kind of history That's I started amazing. drawing to, to sort of actually to stop panic attacks from happening drawing became something very mindful to kind of help me and yeah now So what do you
0: think that was like is that like kind of keeping your hands busy yes. but because um, you you've mentioned things around The sensation right of actually handling the material the paper and then so the
1: disorder is 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 quite a physical disorder so I would actually scan my body with my fingertips to sort of feel where I would want to pick things it's Mm -hmm. a weird thing to talk about um but I think for me charcoal has the is the kind of perfect medium to transpose that energy of skin picking into a mark making process so you know the charcoal is very messy it covers my hands it's smudgy it's textured you know it's My work is very repetitive, and actually that's, I think, a very useful thing. It feels very close to what the disorder feels like. So the repetitive mark-making, the kind of physical, very sort of energetic way that I make, it feels very similar to the the disorder itself, yeah.
0: And what about, like, so what you're actually then drawing, because... Yeah, so it's a bit of a mixture of things. Talk to us about the big pieces. So we're
1: sitting in my studio at the moment where I've got about six of these large drawings. And I kind of, I call them pouring mountains. I kind of wet the charcoal as I draw and they're quite quick. They take sort of 15, to 20 minutes to kind of get the shape and the pattern onto the page. Mm -hmm. Um, And I actually, if I get up in the morning and I feel quite stressed or anxious, it's the first thing I come in and do. And I, I start my day by creating one of these.
0: So they've become a hugely important part of everything I do. Like certainly a um, part of a morning routine yeah, as well, right? I absolutely. mean, people talk about morning routines a lot at the moment, certainly at this time of year, yeah. don't they? and here we and are it's in like January. An, and Yeah, in absolutely. January. And, uh, you know, people don't add drawing onto that list. It's yeah. always like, oh, meditation. But I think it is for you, isn't they, it, in yeah. some degree? You they know,
1: feel it's... very meditative, absolutely. And I, I, when I'm actually doing the drawing, I feel like this kind of zoned out place... Kind of happens, which is very calm, and even though they've, they're quite kind of dark and they've got a lot of kind of angsty energy to them, actually, the process of making them is very soothing for me. Nice. So, um yeah, that's the larger pieces are these, but I've also uh, been giving away drawings on the train, which is um, another thing that I do every time I want to train i draw so when i'm sedentary the, the skin picking disorder doesn't go away i have to sort of manage it every day um it's a disorder that doesn't have a cure so you can't sure. take medication to yeah. stop it so for me um, so is it would
0: you, is it more a habit though is it some? I it's, mean, it's
1: then, in the sort yes. of um family of habit disorders right. Yes. Okay. so there's a lot of people are more familiar with the hair pulling disorder where people have oh, pull their I hair see. out when they get stressed or anxious so skin picking is in the same family as that so, yeah, a lot of people respond to therapy or medication, but it, I I didn't really want to take medication for the rest of my life. <laughs> so, for me, drawing has become the thing that helps the most. And, yeah, I create these graffiti drawings, which is the other thing
0: I kind of give away. Because we see again. a lot of those on social media, on your um, Instagram. Yeah. Platform, right? Yeah. Absolutely. So, you pick, what, what do you do there? Tell people. So, you, you pick up the newspaper, whatever that's so that at hand? So,
1: every time I'm on a train, I pick up. Newspapers that are kind of discarded in the carriage around me, but also if I know I'm doing a long journey, I'll just grab a bundle as I get on the train. Oh, right, okay. And then um, I graffiti them. So I graffiti over images that kind of jump out at me and I kind of draw over them very quickly. They take about a minute. And, you know, the first few times I started doing this, it was an accident because I ran out of a sketchbook on the train and I felt like I was going to have a panic attack.
0: And to stop it
1: from happening, I I picked up a paper that was next to me. So that was the start of it. And now I give away. A huge number, so I'm up to about sixteen thousand. So, would you
0: those ones? Well, firstly, a lot so many questions. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, How do you manage like messy charcoal on the train? Uh, Like (laughs) wipes. Oh, really? Yes. And, like, do you take a fixative or anything? Like, no. you've got a can of hairspray in there.
1: No. Well, just to... <laughs> I think i will get in trouble. Yeah, the, you probably uh, would, Transport right. for London might be after me for that. Um, no, I I tend to just draw inside the paper and fold the paper and give it to a passenger. Ah, okay. So, and, you know, people have witnessed it happening, so they know it's a messy, messy thing that's happening. And then as I get off the train, I clean up with wet wipes. Okay. I need to get shares in wet wipes, really. Yeah. I get to
0: you quite a lot. That was... <laughs> Yeah, that was my real thing. How do you get them, you know, home? But I can see, yeah, that totally makes sense that you've just got them actually inside the newspaper. Yeah,
1: so, so, so when a passenger receives one, uh, oh. they also get a little postcard that explains why I'm doing it because I realise that people aren't necessarily going to have a full conversation with me on the Tube, but they might take a postcard, read the postcard and then see what I'm doing and take the drawing. So actually it's a kind of easy way to
0: kind of advocate what this is. And how do, yeah, no, that's really good actually, yeah, because it gives context as well, doesn't it, to yeah. everything? But how do you choose who to give it to? Is it like that because uh, they've been watching you draw? It's, or? it's
1: fascinating. I've become so kind of obsessed with people's body language yeah, on the train. Yeah, Because I can really feel when someone's interested because there's this sort of weird, you know, and people are nosy yeah. as well. Yeah, right? If course. someone's reading it's something. So different, right? If you're on the train, you do look over someone's shoulder, right? What are they reading? Mm. What, they, what are they doing on their phone? So there's a lot of that. I can feel people's attention sort of change. And then it is just a case of, you know, smiling and saying you've seen me do this drawing would you like it and a lot of people don't know what to do and say well, you know no thanks and then, <laughs> or you know and then someone the next person I lean towards and say well you've seen this happening would you like this drawing they tend to say yeah okay and then the person that didn't get one is a bit annoyed so then I create another, do one, another one and give it to them Aww. so there's a sort of and often there's quite a good banter you know London is a very are quite animated so you know you e- I either get told very quickly keep that away from me it's really messy or a lot of people you know are, are kind of delighted and surprised to yeah. walk away with something free. And it is so, so
0: different as well isn't it? Yeah I guess.
1: So can I inspire you to carry charcoal on the train?
0: N- oh <laughs> that might sort of tap into one of my anxieties. So you've told me that around the time that you started using charcoal you also left your job you yeah. to leave that and sort of t- uh, focus on the artwork full-time right so, yeah yeah tell us more about that um... so
1: um yeah we we were talking previously about social media um i saw a job actually online and it was advertised on twitter and weirdly it was a messy play job with oh, very young children with babies perfect. and I thought well you know the artwork I've been making all the kind of visual art stuff that's photographic and performance based very kind of colourful and textured and covered in paint so I applied for the job I'd been working in education for about 15 years and that's the job that sort of I decided to move away from in a management kind of point of view and um, I got this job in North London and it was teaching very young children so the sort of social media looking for work thing yeah. became a sort of way of making new connections around where life was taking me after the, the sort of episode and starting to get better. I realised that actually this was a hugely useful medium. So now Twitter is actually a very important part of my work as an artist. I get a lot of opportunities through that, lots of invitations to talk about the disorder. Um, you know, the, This disorder doesn't get very much press. And I've actually made the decision really... Around the time I started to get better, that I should be advocating for it and talking about it. So it all sort of coincided with this new life uh, working with young people and working with children. Um, so now most of my sort of art practice is connected to education and kind of therapeutic settings. So I teach a lot in hospitals yeah. um, and working with very young children, right through to kind of university students. And I think the mental health thing that's, you know, underpinned how I got into art in the first place is something that's really present with me whenever I'm working. I mean, you know, all of my freelance work is in some
0: capacity connected to that. To so mental health, which is getting, yeah, lots yeah. of, I mean, it's sort of always in the news, isn't it, these sort of last couple of years, yeah, I think. Yeah, so. absolutely. And I think it's really interesting that it's going, that um, it's not just on, you know, I mean, there's lots of things, you know, that are very nuanced, like skin picking disorder yeah. and, you know, hair pulling. That are very nuanced but that sit under that umbrella. So it's actually yeah really interesting. And I think, you
1: know, anxiety and depression are huge issues in our society at the moment. And those are the those are the issues that I think I'm 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 constantly aware of in my life anyway. You know, anxiety doesn't become something that just clears up. I have to sort of manage it. And I think being able to say that to, you know, working with a group of teenagers, for example, who are going through all kinds of things in their life, you know, it's it's stressful and it's full of lots of different challenges. So art can be a really great medium to help young people express some of that. And I think that's where a lot of this kind of work and this crossover with the graffiti stuff also hits a kind of interest for young people. So
0: what sort of places have you done talks and how do those places, because I think we're around mental health, particularly, you know, like teenagers, for example, might not know they have something that is... Well, not treatable, but that they have any yeah. issues, right? They might just think it's, you know, being a teenager or hormones yeah. or whatever. Absolutely. So, how, how do they um, all kind of, you uh, know?
1: It's been a whole mixture of different things. So, I, I did a talk at um, Central School of Speech and Drama. So that was a TEDx talk. It was actually organised by the students, um, and that talk, you know, was shared through the TEDx kind of um, social media stuff on YouTube. And I've had loads of people around the world, in fact, kind of getting in touch and saying, "Thank you for talking oh out God, that's about amazing. this disorder." And actually, those sorts of opportunities, I spoke at a mental health event in the summer for young people um, that was organised by Hearts Theatre. So that was all geared around mental health for teenagers right. and young people. So, you know, when I'm asked to do those talks, I'm I'm really keen to say yes, because I think, you know, I never know who's going to be in the room who needs to hear the story, you know, my story, but also that there are routes of recovery that might not be medication and, you know, oh, actually that course. creative routes yeah. can be useful so um and
0: have yeah. you met other people that are that use art in ways to yes. sort of help them if it's not skin picking it's something absolutely.
1: else absolutely that... so I'm, I'm actually connected to the Bethlehem Gallery so I'm oh, one of the yeah.
0: artists at, at Bethlehem
1: so you know that's a, a gallery that's supporting people with lived experience of mental illness so you know there's a huge number of artists there that are my buddies that we we work together quite a lot and um we, we've uh, we've had a big kind of year last year because it was the 20th anniversary of the gallery so there was you know lots of exhibitions and things that brought different experiences of mental illness and recovery through art together um, so yeah these these connections you know have come through sort of meeting my disorder head-on and, and and trying to have a conversation with it and also connect with other people that have gone through something that's been challenging and found ways to get and that's how
0: it. like social media has really helped you pull that through right Hugely. so I mean do you how how does that happen is it just because people disseminate your message or are you using particular tags to draw attention um i'm using
1: tags a lot yeah so social media on instagram and twitter you know hashtag mental health hashtag skin picking yeah picks up, the, picks up the audience that it needs to but yeah also just you know following other people that are doing interesting things with their own experience i think that's really valuable. so filmmakers and musicians who are using music to help people you know there have been some great connections through some of the work i've done in hospitals where People are using music, to, you know, to support people's recovery from different health conditions. Um, there's a harpist who goes into Guy's and St Thomas's to just play music in the atriums. And I think that's completely beautiful, oh, you know, wow, to put music in be, a yes, space where people are, you know, recovering from all kinds of illnesses. But also it's just a very human thing, I think, to try to help people relax through something that's gentler and calmer. So, um, I wondered actually from your work as a curator, do you think that artists sometimes that you've worked with are quite cautious or some sort of hesitant of using social media?
0: I think they are. I think yeah, the way I know that is that so many of them actually will only show pictures of their work. They're really hiding behind the work. They'll only show finished work. And for me, there's not enough personality in that. And that's one of the things I really like about your account was you show work in progress you show finished work there's pictures of you so I know who I'm going to meet (laughs) if I or you know if you were or if you were going to come and show at the gallery or something then I already and I was going to sort of blindly approach you and we had no other way of being in touch then I know who I'm dealing with and stuff so I think you know artists that particularly if they want to approach galleries should yeah think about their that social media as actually being particularly Instagram using that as a way to showcase more of themselves not just the work yeah you know work in progress and that's the other thing I really like seeing is I mean I know you have like studio shots and stuff like that yeah and it's like actually on my profile every time I go around studios I want to take pictures of you know paint pots and things yeah but I think it's but I like particularly and I think one of the things that's really missing but it really resonates when somebody gets it right is the um, storytelling aspect of it You know, so they've gone to see a show or something and then they, you know, a week later they'll put up a post about how that inspired them to experiment about, you know, with a different medium or a different paper or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, And you sort of see that story um, unfold of like, you know, that process, the experiment they undertook, the work, you know, that it didn't look great and then they tweaked something and it looked a bit better or... Whatever it is, um, because I think, you know, life is made up of these little um, stories and yeah. connections and things, yeah. And you can really use social media to tell that, you know, if, particularly with art, right, with your art life. Yeah. Um, you know, for the, certainly for those people that don't are not full-time artists, yeah. right, yeah. and that they want to have their social media account just to be around you know, yeah. their artwork and things. Sort of, yeah, using that in a more imaginative way, I think... The most dull ones are the ones where it's just the finished work yeah. or they're so branded. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, okay, well, I know what you're about. I'll just move on. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, whereas I think when they show all these other aspects, I think personality is probably the thing that's coming across in that. Yeah. yeah that's what I like. But
1: I think I've probably been braver about that as the freelance life has kind of taken hold a bit more. So, yeah. you know, I, I teach bits and bobs and, you know, sometimes just the table set up with equipment before a workshop starts or something might you know it connects new Mm. people on instagram who might be interested in education so all my early years stuff for example you know hashtagging all of that early years and toddlers and art for kids or whatever the hashtags are and you know that that connects you with far more sort of valuable and useful other ways of working i've connected people but i think that also
0: really shows what in, you, in this case yeah. you, what you're actually doing right yeah. you are actually going out there yeah. and you know running workshops and you are connected to other groups yeah whereas if you only showed us pic, you know the pictures hanging on the wall here we would know yeah. We wouldn't know any of that yeah. right and especially on uh, platforms like instagram that's so visual as much as i write in the whatever you call it the captions yeah, and yeah. you do as well there, there are times people are just skipping yeah. past right <laughs> yeah. they're, they're just like There's... yeah hit like and move on Absolutely. it's like okay yeah but yeah, that's. Um... I think of Instagram quite like a sort
1: of visual diary, I guess. So it's, it, you know, there is a, a lot of kind of messy stuff, or there there are more finished things, as you say. But also, it is about you know these these experiences have happened in the last couple of weeks, and these are you know talks I've done, or you know, often I'm sharing things other people have done, mm-hmm. and there's there's just really nice. I think there's a nice dialogue can happen on Instagram because it is so visual. So. I'm self-taught you know we've said that already so I've been following artists that you know have a have a similar sort of process or are working with materials that I'm drawn to so that's been hugely valuable to look at other ways that artists are working as you say and that might inspire something that I do either in a workshop or a class or something in my own practice so yeah I think I think it's it's hugely
0: valuable it's a really it's a really interesting resource as you say in that way as well right because you're researching and things. Yeah. but it's so easy to make connections as yeah. well absolutely um yeah I really like that do you use um Instagram more than Twitter or how I do
1: you use them? I use them it's- the same really because I think I have more followers on Twitter than Instagram but I think the the visual aspect of Instagram is important to me I, I kind of you know it's nice for me to be able to scan back and think oh yeah a couple of weeks back this is what this was looking like and now it's looking like this you know so there's a there is this sort of through line that's much more important but I guess the kind of uh, the talks and bits and pieces of work that come that sort of come into my life have come through Twitter so that's been more valuable particularly for the kind of mental health connections because yeah. it's more narrative driven you're actually you know able to state things and follow people and look for different kind of connections so that's been yeah, I think Twitter is useful for work and Instagram is kind of a visual resource that's very okay. useful. But yeah, I can't stress enough how much people should do it. Because <laughs> oh, it yeah. really, you know, I was so dubious, especially Twitter. I was like, I don't really get this. People are like stating things that are like their statuses and sending them. But I think as you start to use it and you realise, you know, you can have dialogue with people on the other side of the world and like amazing things can come through it. I ended up in Singapore at a festival You know, because I'd started having a conversation with people on the other other side of the world about skin, and someone said to me, "There, there is a festival about performance and skin. You should contact them." And this time last year, actually in January, I went for two weeks and I did the the graffiti drawings on the train. That came through Twitter. You know, because someone on the other side of the world had said, "You have this skin picking disorder. You're doing these drawings. You should apply." But I think,
0: yeah, that's the other thing, isn't it? Your visibility and how prepared you are to show what yeah. you're doing in the world um that's probably actually yeah. put you to be a better candidate as well over perhaps somebody else yeah. that's and I think not so for, for a lot of artists that
1: are <coughs> anxious about that I think it can be a bit of a leap faith as well you have to sort of put your work out there that's part of sort yeah. of stepping up to the table isn't it and saying this is what I'm doing and making that visible and I think yeah it's hugely scary I you know I said to you earlier that sometimes I feel like a fraud because I haven't been through the traditional training that perhaps I'm supposed to in you mean conference. like the art school training yeah and I think that sometimes is an anxiety but actually when it comes down to it the most important thing for me is that I'm making that's, yeah. that's more important than worrying about how someone you know you, I can't spend my time
0: worrying about how it's being perceived well it's certainly more not worrying about some I mean, what somebody thinks that's yeah. somebody being someone you don't know. Yeah, <laughs> that's. Um... I think
1: my my journey with this has been very sort of connected to well being. So right from the outset, it was never about some of the adventures that have happened. You know, it was much more about this is a really fundamental thing I need to be doing yeah. to help me feel better.
0: So we've been talking about social media and uh, you've got another exhibition coming up, right? So I tell do. us about that.
1: Well, um, so uh, I'm exhibiting in an exhibition in Amsterdam, which is called The Vulnerable Body. And it's uh, opening this month, 20th of January. Uh, and it's on until the 24th of March. And this came through social media as well, which is, you know, I know I've been stressing how important this is. Uh, but someone started following me on social media who uh, is also an artist who has a health condition. And she's a painter. She's been making work about her own sort of physical uh, sensations and different things with her body and she started uh, working with a gallery in Amsterdam and she was curating this show so she's drawn together 13 international artists who are working with physical or mental illnesses of different kinds so this exhibition is is about a, you know how vulnerabilities in our physical health or mental health can actually inspire creativity or vice versa how that sort of is a useful connection so yeah and this the the other thing that's kind of nice about this is the previous exhibition that the drawings I'm showing were in also came through social media so I had an exhibition in Derby which was all about drawing so it's called Finding Lines and they had found my work on Instagram and on Twitter and those drawings which were exhibited in Derby are now on their way to Amsterdam. Oh my so goodness, that's this, so this cool. this sort of strange connection thing that can yeah. happen to social media can be really valuable. How much
0: time do you spend on social media a
1: day? It depends. I don't use it every day, but if I'm travelling and I'm doing the graffiti drawings, I share those as I travel so that mm-hmm. if someone receives one, they can join in and say they've got that particular drawing. So lots of people you know, message me on social media or share their drawing on their own um, Instagram oh, yeah. account. So that's a kind of, useful connection but yeah Twitter I, I go on Twitter in the morning quite a lot and I go on Twitter at the end of the day so I'm sort of the kind of busy bit of the of the commute is often a useful time because loads of people are on oh, the phone oh yeah so yeah it's that's kind of yeah Twitter I've, um, maybe a little bit more I check that a little bit more oh, okay. but yeah it's I think it's um building it into your day particularly if you're wanting to sort of share thoughts and ideas and things that you're working on I, I think it's a, an important tool really and it's I, it's not something I was expecting to be using at all but I've ended up finding it incredibly valuable so no
0: I mean I do agree it really is I, the, I think the thing I struggle with is I just don't have a, a set time that I'm on there you know I'm on there on and off through yeah. the day. But I know I need to sort of commit more structured time to it really because I have sold work off there, you yeah, know? yeah, and it does make money. I know yeah. other people <laughs> yeah. that have. You know, you've got yeah. international exhibitions. Yeah. This stuff works. Yeah. But, um yeah, you've just got to build those relationships, have those conversations, get back to people, Absolutely. all of that stuff. You know, it's all really part of it. And um, there was a time, and I think I've, I found it when I've spoken to other artists, they think that the social media is in the way rather yeah. than actually being the path to whatever it is they're wanting you know yeah making connections and definitely. finding open calls and those things definitely well thank you so much you're welcome I've been... it's been so much fun why don't you tell us your uh, where people can find out more about you and your social media handles
1: so my twitter handle is at liz atkin my website is Lizatkin.com and then my instagram handle is liz underscore atkin
0: perfect have i done that right i hope so yes yeah that was all right and uh, you can find out more about me on instagram at the gita joshi this is my new account so let's try and grow that one that's excellent trying to build that target up there and on twitter is at empower underscore artists and all the details are also in the show notes thank you liz thank you so much gita thanks a lot